to Who Run the World. I'm your host, Marilyn, with my wonderful co-host, Rhea. And today we have an episode that's a mix between Who Run the World and my alter ego, Permanent Hunger. Slash, there's a little bit of Who Run the Time in there as there's well. There's a little bit of Who Run the Time. This is actually going to be a Who Run the Time episode. Yes, but it's like a hybrid kind of Yes, thing. but now that Rhea's moved out and we're kind of like coming out of our caves, you know, post lockdown we want to explore new topics and uh, the topic we're going to explore today is something that's very dear near and dear to both of our hearts but probably takes up 90 percent of your heart shawarma here with us to explore this wonderful topic is probably the expert of shawarma in dubai her name is arva she is the founder and chief executive of muncher and tell us a little bit more about yourself well thank you for having me on the show ladies as you said, my name is Arva and I've been running Frying Pan Adventures since 2013. I actually thought of the concept back in 2012. The idea was around taking people to the places that I loved. And the reason I wanted to do that is because it was just about two years after I had moved back from the US to Dubai and Dubai is where I spent my childhood. When I moved back, I realized that of course, the city had changed so much, but I really missed the simplicity. I missed just eating on a street corner, not worrying about who the celeb chef was, how the food looked on social media, just really the humble experiences that we used to have back in the day. I really missed that. I didn't feel connected actually to the city at all. And so that's how Frank Pan was born. It was about reconnecting with the city that I loved, but through my stomach. Could you describe to us a little bit what was the Dubai of your childhood that you, you were talking about? Where would you go? Where would you eat? And how are you bringing that through your walking tours? I would describe it as we didn't have that much variety. It was the Lebanese places and the Indian places. And depending on where you stayed, you kind of had your own hood so for example and i know this is pushing ahead into our conversation but shawarma is the kind of thing that i only had in there at automatic cafeteria because that was just facing my house and that was the best place to have it in there i would not have gone to diafa to almalla for example to have shawarma which to a lot of people sounds nuts that i had my first shawarma from almalla after I moved back, after I've done my undergrad, my master's, worked, and then I came back and that was when I first had that. The other side, which was really exciting back then, wait for it, Hardee's, Arby's, McDonald's. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. I mean, when McDonald's opened in Lebanon, it was like you couldn't get a the sandwich for days. I fully get you. I mean, I... I had a lot of trouble connecting with the city and I always find that when I go to Karama or Deira or some parts of Sharja, that's when I really feel like I've finally landed, even though I've been here for two years. That's how you decided to start Frying Pan Adventure. So the idea was to do food tours, right? Yeah, so the idea was something that I was informally practicing when I was a consultant in the US. So whenever someone would say, hey, let's do a team lunch, I'd be like wait, do I have to pick just one place? Let's eat at five places. But also I'd seen other people doing food tours. I had visited Delhi and I ran into a group that was doing a food tour and I just thought, oh my God, this is what I need to be doing. So it was an amalgamation of a lot of that. 
and I realized that it was not enough to take people to just taste food. It really had to be all about the performance and the storytelling and the history. So I read certain books, for example, like A Day of Honey by Anya Ciazaldo, and that really shaped the way I thought about how we wanted to craft these experiences, not just eating, but actually weaving a story throughout the entire tour. Is there a favorite story of yours that you like to tell all the time? One of the most powerful ones is one that I did read in Anya's book again. It's about Iraqi Mazgouf. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, the visual. So have you guys seen Mazgouf? Yeah, but I've never eaten it though. Okay, so it's this massive bottom feeding, like a relative of carp barbel, basically, fish that they cook around this massive pit, okay? And so you walk in and this fantastic visual is there. We literally pull the story out of Anya's book because she writes so wonderfully. She says that when you ask Iraqis about the flavor of freedom, they will tell you that it's maskouf. It's not just a fish. You know, this embodies a vanished place in time. It's a time when people would be sailing on the Tigris River where lovers would make eye contact with each other, shy glances at each other. People would be sipping on Iraq, which is the aniseed-flavored liquor. This is not an image of Iraq, you see, that people have. And when we're describing this, you can just see people's eyes opening wide, not just because of the visual of the fish, but wow, are we really talking about Iraq? And Iraq was once Mesopotamia, so it has some of the oldest cooking techniques in the world. You can see that, you know, the fish is being transported from just something that's going to be on your plate to a whole different place. Like another part of that story is that the street on which the fish is served is called Abu Nawas Street. And Abu Nawas... He, he was a, a very important medieval character who was a little bit, Reese is maybe not the right word, but he definitely stepped out of his bounds. He used to say that accumulate as many sins as you can, because when it comes time for judgment day and you realize how merciful and forgiving God is, you are going to tear your fingernails out of the fact that you didn't have more fun. It sounds like the advice I would give my university self. <laughs> yes. So that, that there's a little bit of Abu Nawas in all of us, but it's just, I, I love sharing those stories because it really busts everything that people think about Iraq. It's, I'm not trying to trivialize the situation there. It's not about that. But sometimes it is hard to connect with a different culture when they feel so different from your own and they feel so... Uh, the, the way they are sort of portrayed in the media. And we like to use food as a way of showcasing some of these really ancient cultures in a way that people can understand how important they are to our culinary heritage even today. So let's fast forward a bit. So you've started the company, everything is going great. And then it's 2020 and the pandemic hits. Not only are we wonder, are you wondering about how the hospitality industry is changing and whether there will be tourists or not, but I know that even sometimes when you mention places on your Instagram feed, you're hopeful that they'll still be open, right? So it's not just your clientele that's changing, but also the, the restaurants that you take people to. And I know that you've been quite active in, in trying to support them, which is a way to kind of keep the ecosystem alive. Tell us a bit about that, because I'd really love for people to be able to go and help you guys out on that mission. We were starting to hear feedback 
pretty immediately from the small local places. And every time I would get these reports of this person is really down because they've had no business, I just would feel so helpless and so useless. I'm like, we have this platform and we've got to be doing something. I just don't know what. Thankfully, there have been a lot of creative initiatives that have happened around the world that have inspired us. And we ended up launching a gift a meal program. And the purpose of the gift a meal program is to support small local restaurants in cooking the meals that they love cooking. But a lot of times you may not be in the radius to get that food or maybe you don't even want that food. Like what are you going to do with 50 chicken biryanis? You don't need that. So yeah, but you want to support these small places. So what we do is we place the orders at these small local restaurants and then they will deliver it to a group of people that we have vetted. These are a group of people who have lost their income during COVID. Either they're on unpaid leave or they have permanently lost their job. So they are struggling at this time. And we're essentially connecting the restaurants with the people who need it most. So that is a gift a meal program. And it's been happening for a little over two months now. So we've been supporting anywhere from 50 to 60 people every single day. It's the same set of people. The thing is, we did not want to tell someone, hey, I'm sending you a meal today, but tomorrow you figure it out. And then day after again, I'll send it to you. We wanted to stick with people. It's better to help them manage the uncertainty than just to give them one sandwich, right? Absolutely. So every single day they get that meal and we support some of the small places that we love, whether it's Kweder El Nabulsi in Dera or Ravi's or Sin Punjab. We were very clear that we will not nickel and dime these places. I don't want 10 dirham meals because what does a restaurant make out of a 10 dirham meal? They don't make anything, but the goal is to have a reinforcing economic cycle. So every meal is about 25 to 26 dirhams and the meal is paid for in advance of when it goes out. We don't want credit from the restaurant. So whatever someone who goes on our website pays, all of that money except the credit card fees that get deducted before we get them, all of that will go towards that meal i've donated on the platform it's super easy it's just like buying something online there's no complexity and it's amazing so i encourage our users to do it but i know that there was also a very interesting story about one of uh, the restaurants that you work with wanting to put shawarma in one of the meals well the thing was that a lot of the people that we were supporting the cultural backgrounds that they were from these are rice heavy cultures so we wanted to make sure that we gave them a meal that would keep them feeling really satisfied and full. Our goal was meals with dignity, you know? And so every single meal for, I don't know, 30, 40 days was just rice with chicken or rice with something, whatever else it was. One day, Omar from Kweder al-Nabulsi, he's the nephew of the owner. He said, Arwa, why don't we send them shawarma? And I was like, Omar, I mean, I love shawarma, but honestly, I don't think it's going to fly with this group because there's no rice in a shawarma. He's like, you know, we do the best Arabic shawarma. And then he sent me this uh, delicious photograph. And I was like, okay, you know what? It's one night. Let's just try it. The number of messages we got that night. Oh my God, we haven't had shawarma in months. Like, this is so fantastic. So now we have shawarma like once or twice every week. Speaking of shawarma. Speaking of shawarma, what a coincidence that what we've been a coincidence. <laughs> talking about shawarma at this point in time. <laughs> uh, so we are going to transition into the um, 
the meat the meat of the show the meat of the show the juicy juicy meat of the show uh but before we do that uh i just want to tell our listeners that while i was staying here with marilene one of the rituals that we um, invented was something called mishwarma which basically how it started was marilene had this place in Sharjah, a shawarma place what's it called van van and so she's like we have to go try the shawarma and drove to Sharjah, stayed in the car, got the shawarma, ate the shawarma in the car. Felt like a social distancing, you know, appropriate thing to do, right? Exactly. And there's this word in Arabic called mishwad, which means... A straw? I don't know. There's, I don't think there's like the exact word for it in English. Mm. But so it was like a mishwar a stroll to get a shawarma and so we put those words together and, and thus was born mishwarma and we've done it a couple of times since and so it really has been a, a staple in our <laughs> lockdown and we hope to continue that tradition far Which is into essentially the future the only reason we invited you on here is we need more <laughs> we need <laughs> more, more places shawarma to go. places a fantastic uh-huh. reason tell us according to you what makes a good shawarma tell me about the bread are you chicken or beef or something else if there is something else is in Lebanon else? actually there's a sh- there's a guy that does sejou shawarma <gasps> yes mano mano exactly and then what else would you allow into your shawarma sandwich so first of all in the last 10 days i came across the idea of a falafel shawarma which i think is haram so let's just not even go there <laughs> what <laughs> and there are other kinds of shawarma other than the Arabic shawarma and the regular shawarma which you see here in Dubai there's the Mexican shawarma which is called Mexiki. Really? But it is flavored with Indian spices if that makes any sense. They should call it Mexicuarma. Mexicuarma. <laughs> you can call it that. Yeah so okay what do I think makes a good shawarma? I think the marinade of the chicken or beef I am agnostic as to which meat it needs to be. Okay. As long as it's done right and it's paired with the right fillings. So, for example, if it's chicken, it's got to have tum, it's got to have pickles. If it is your beef shawarma, it's got to have sliced tomatoes, it's got to have parsley, it's got to have tahine. Love it. You don't put tum in your beef shawarma. Who would do that? I don't know. And then it is the ratio of the bread to the fillings. Love that. Agree with you 100%. Do you need the bread to be grilled or not? Depends on the kind of bread. I actually do like it when they have it on a cast iron and they kind of press it down because then the flavors sort of meld together and it's not as dry. Again, I've had ones that are not grilled and they're they're great as well. Really, they they should have a good amount of fat in the bread itself so you'll see a lot of the good places take the bread and they'll dip it into the juices that is critical i love it so i will like pretty much agree with you on everything you said except that i need fries in my chicken shawarma i cannot stand having fries in the beef one i think the beef one i will follow exactly what you said maybe add onions and sumac yes because the mix that they usually make in in lebanon sumac and onions right so it'll be Either fresh tomatoes or barely grilled, and then parsley, sumac, onions, and then tahini, and that's it. I like it in either Lebanese bread or mar'u bread, which is thinner. And then with the chicken, I want only tum, kabis, fries, and fries. And what you said about the meat to bread ratio is so on point because people don't think about that. Because sometimes when they give you too much bread... It's a bread sandwich. But also when they yes. give you too much meat, then it's not a sandwich. It's kind of 
exactly hundred percent you know i feel like why would you take fries and make them soggy and then eat them rather than just having crisp fries on the fries are meant to be crisp you have both you have both yeah, no, not buying it. Every time someone puts fries in my chicken shawarma, I'm like, you tried to con me out of more chicken in my shawarma. Oh. Because this happened over the years and everything over the years has gotten diluted. So I, I just feel like this is one of those, I, you know, I'm very cynical like that sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> I know why you're putting that in there because you didn't want to put more chicken. But there's that bite, you know, right. when the potato sucks in all the tomb. Yes. It's just a bite of saucy potato. It's just delicious. Also, potatoes are heaven. Agreed. Just not soggy fries. <laughs> actually, it's funny because I love soggy fries. Like, I actually don't like my fries crispy. Don't do this to me. I want to like you ladies. We're going to have to defer on the fries. But question, and this might be as a, an aside, but what's your policy on batata sandwich? Right. Do you ever have fry sandwich? Ah, it's a good question. No. <gasps> no. What? No. Oh, yeah, wow. No. We were getting along so well. This is really so divisive. I had written an article on shawarma for a popular magazine here. And I remember that I began with a disclaimer that shawarma is one of those really controversial topics. And as a writer, I don't want to put my opinion out there because I don't need an army outside my door trying to kill me. But the one thing that should not be allowed is fries in a shawarma. And Boom, that was enough. People were like, fire her. I empathize, but I do not agree that fries should be in a shawarma. We'll take your fries. Also, last question for the both of you. Do you like the messy shawarma? I like the mess. I like the messy one because it indicates that there's enough meat in it. Mm -hmm. But recently, I went to this place uh, where a friend of ours, Urwa, took me. Mm -hmm. I think it's called Sahanom. It's in Business Bay, whatever. But... They did something amazing. Their beef shawarma. They wrapped it in this really, almost like mar'u, like really crispy bread, which they then also heated so it was even crispier. But the beauty of it was it was like a perfectly round sandwich. Like when you put it in your in your mouth to bite, you could bite the whole width of it. It's easy to eat. Whereas sometimes what happens with shawarma is you end up eating one side and this side has tomatoes, but that one doesn't. But there's something yeah. so satisfying about that. No, I mean, I love both, but I recently discovered the beauty of like an incredibly tightly wrapped shawarma sandwich where you can bite in and have a full bite. But also you're like such a proponent of the perfect bite. I like everything in my bite. So exactly. it upsets me a little bit. I know, I know. You know? See, I like the variety. And ooh, what are you going to get? What about you? If I'm out on the go, I do prefer that it's a little bit easier to eat. But, you know, if it's a really good shawarma, I will deal with whatever comes my way. That's true. Amen to that. Fair. All right. Give us a couple recommendations for our next mishwarma. I think that Aruz Damascus, which has been around since the 80s on Morakabad in Dera, they do a stellar beef shawarma. And I really do get confused because with a lot of these restaurants, when you ask them, is it beef or is it lamb? On some days they'll tell you it's beef and then some days they'll tell you it's lamb. So whatever that animal is, I, I feel it keeps changing. So just ask <laughs> on the day that you go and you on your toes. hopefully you'll hear the answer that you want to hear. But I, I do think that their beef shawarma is really fantastic. Marilina, are you writing this down? I mean, we have a recording of it. Write it down. My goodness, Aruz Damascus is one of the all-time haunts for people. And honestly, growing up, because Automatic was 
just a little bit closer to my apartment block. We didn't go to Aru's that much, but I do love them and they have really good chicken wings and hummus and their food is actually spot on. Amazing. So that's for the beef shawarma. Right. Hit us with another one. What's next? Okay, so there's two places that are right next to each other. Each of them have long lines. And Ooh, I double have date. actually done shawarma showdowns there. <gasps> Akid, I mean, my dream. My okay, dream. so this is what I do because I am just, I can be so ridiculous like this. So I've taken guests there on tours and I'm like, look at these two places. One is older, but I'm not going to tell you which one is older. And I'm going to get shawarma from both places and then I will mix up the bags because I don't want you to know. And then I will give them half shawarma from each one. 98% of the time, everyone has picked the same one. So the two places I'm talking about are on Banias Road in Dera. The super old place is called Hatem Altai. And Hatem Altai, for the folks who've been here in the 70s and so on, this is a descendant of Rauf's. So if you speak to a lot of our parents, they'll be like, Rauf, and then there'll be this, you know, just, it feels like mystical, like legend, Rauf Shorma. I've never had shawarmas from Rauf. I think that was before my time. But Hatem Altai is a descendant of that. And then next door to it is Shiraz Nights. So Hatem Altai is the older one, but 98% of people go with Shiraz Nights. <gasps> Why? Both places only do chicken shawarma. They do the normal one and then they do the Mexiki, the spicy one, which is actually really delicious. And it's spicy on two levels. One is the actual meat will be spicy, but then they also have a spicy too, which is this slightly disturbing orange color. I know exactly I know it, what yeah, you're talking about. That sounds delicious. Do they sell it by the can? No, they don't. Oh, but damn. that's the one that Van They should. Exactly. I was like, but what? what is causing the difference? Yes, there is a little bit of difference, obviously, in the marination of the chicken, but... You have to watch very closely because they have such a line. They're moving their hands really fast. So I've stood there and taken a video because I couldn't watch what was happening fast enough. And then I could slow down the video later on to be like, okay, Nicely this is what's done. happening. Because you have to. You have to do that, right? And it turns out that, and wait for this, Hatim Altai, which is not the winner, is double wrapping their shawarma. <gasps> that ratio. It's the, it's the ratio you were talking about before. Oh my God. God damn. They're good, guys. I don't want to say they're, they're not. They're good. But, 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 they are double wrapping their shawarma. I have a question for you. Can you ever just ask them to give you, yeah, you a can. sandwich with one wrap? I, maybe you could, but the lines are so long and then I don't think they're going to futz around with, you know, your specific order. Maybe they'll hear this podcast and then they will. Just maybe. We're going to mail them a cassette tape. Exactly, like podcast. here. If you're going to go there, then you should get one from each and have your own shawarma showdown to figure out, you know, which one is the... But yeah, I have preferred the Shiraz Nights and I like the way it is a tight wrap. It is pressed down, which I love. Well, mine are van sandwiches in Sharjah, which doesn't have a place for you to sit down and the guy comes to you in your car. It's like a analog version of drive-thru. We got like three of those each. That, those were amazing. Because they're, they're little. And they, and they also have that spicy tomb that you were talking about. And it's, yeah. it's not messy, but it's not clean at the same time. Exactly. If you know what I mean. And then that they have amazing... It's classy. <laughs> They have amazing uh, chicken shawarma. And then, like I said, Sahanom the other day that I went to has amazing beef shawarma, but funnily enough, doesn't have the banadura in it. 
But that's no okay. Panadours. I forgive them because, because it's otherwise very good. Yeah, sorry, no tomatoes. The third one that was really good was La Fah. Oh, I like that place. But I And there, I think the meat was much better. The potato sandwich was delicious. The potato sandwich there is amazing. Was delicious. Well, actually, you should go and order a meat shawarma and then a potato sandwich and share half-half with somebody. I'm new to Dubai, so I've only been to two places. So I look forward to trying all the places that Arva recommended. Is there anything else you'd like to recommend? Have we missed anything on the list? One that Chef Urfali, so he is an Aleppan chef and uh, a real famous TV personality as well. So one of his personal recommendations is a place called Mashawi Al-Halabi, which is Aleppo Grills. They only had a branch in Sharjah, but before COVID happened, they opened this massive, glorious branch in Garhud. And their shawarmas are spot on because the Syrians really know how to do shawarma and their kebabs and their muhammara is fantastic as well. I'm sure that it is a big faux pas to dip your shawarma in muhammara, but that muhammara is so damn good. I mean, Chef Urfali was explaining it. He's like, they put in caramelized onions as well in their muhammara. And I don't know if they add gahwa as well. It has almost like a sweet, like as if you'd put in Parmigiano-Reggiano in there. It's got some weird, like, uh, it's so good. So that is the one place that I would say, okay, dip your everything in the Muhammadah, even if it's your shawarma. But they do a really fantastic shawarma. Can I swim in it? Do they sell that by the jar? They should. But you can just order, I mean, you can just order pots of their Muhammadah. Oh, I will. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, my God. See, we came for the shawarma. We I'm left so with so much right more. Now. I'm starving. I had a salad for lunch. I feel like we need a mishwarma very soon. Yeah. Mishwarma. July 2020. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up, Rayos. All right. So thank you, Arva, for being here with us on this uh, special Who Run the Time slash Who Run the World special episode. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening. You are listening to Who Run the World with Marinine, Rea, and Arva. Mm -hmm. Also, Arva's podcast is called Deep Fried. So if you want to hear more about the wonderful food and places to discover in Dubai, go subscribe to that podcast. And you can find both Who Run the World and Deep Fried on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and Rami, or wherever you listen to <laughs> your podcast. And hey, hey, you know what? As well as doing the double shawarma dipping, th like the thing where you go and you compare the two shawarmas, maybe if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts and you listen to both our podcasts, you could rate both of them. Why know? not? And you know what? Be gluttonous. Give it five stars. You can you love know? us both equally. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Arva. And bon appétit, everybody. Bon appétit. <laughs>